Welcome back to Wellness Digest for another educational episode. Today we are going to be talking about the food system and some of the issues that we face in our current food system globally and how some of those issues kind of, to put it blankly, make and keep us sick. And that is one thing that we really haven't touched on too much Mm -hmm. yet on this podcast, but it is something that is super important to us. And as we talk about health and wellness and different things that you can be eating, ways you can be supporting your body, we also have to recognize that there is a system in which we live that can sometimes prevent us or just inhibit like our ability to become healthy again um and it's the same system that made us sick in the first place so we really want to kind of unpack the food system we did an episode on what is the food system way way back in season one i think it was our second episode Mm -hmm. ever And so that was kind of like the basics of the food system. If you're still a little bit confused on maybe what the food system is, go back and listen to that. But I wanted to start with just kind of like a brief overview of the food system. Just a little recap of the food system. It is basically everything that happens between the time a seed is planted in the ground, because yes, every single thing that we eat comes from plants. Even the animals that we eat starts with the plants that those animals ate. So I like to kind of paint this picture of everything starting from a seed. So from the very time that a seed is planted in the ground all the way until you either eat the food or the food gets thrown away or maybe um, something happens to it before it even gets like to you or to the grocery store or whatever. There's just so many steps in between from the time a seed is planted all the way until we get to actually enjoy the food and all of those steps in between. So it could be how the food is made, how it's delivered, how it's manufactured, um, how it is disposed of, everything, all of those steps are included. And there's a lot of things that can potentially impact your health depending on what happens to the food during that whole process. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something that we talked about in the first episode we did on the food system but like probably before talking to you like I had no idea that like really I'd never thought about like what what happened before I literally ate the food or got it at the grocery store and it is so important because the first steps from when a seed is planted or whatever to when it gets to the grocery store are almost like way more important than us really consuming it there's so much like backstory so many things that could happen Um, And so even though we haven't really been programmed or taught to understand the food system, um, it's like a very vital component in understanding why our world is very chronically ill and helps you kind of take action, like what you can really do that's even before the food gets to your plate and the choices that you make with what you put into your body. There's a lot of things that you can do to make a healthier world even before you even touch the food. Yeah, and I think for even people who are like, somewhat aware of the food system I think that a lot of times the thought only goes as far as like knowing your farmer Mm -hmm. and that's like a big thing right now you know everybody wants to shop locally and meet their farmer and that's all great and wonderful and like totally here for it but what we like fail to realize is that it's not it's not just the farmer either like it's not just that your food grows on the farm because Food is made in so many other ways Mm -hmm. nowadays with technology and um, just like food processing and all the types of different things that can happen to your food before it gets to you. It's not just as simple as like your food comes from a farm and then it ends up in your grocery store. So I think that even 
even then it can get dumbed down a little bit when it Mm -hmm. actually really is pretty complex yeah exactly on that note and talking about just how big and how complex the food system is I think that one of the reasons why we wanted to do an episode on this is because I think we sometimes fail to realize how big of a hold the food system really has on us and like Mm -hmm. how much of an impact it has on our lives we obviously have to eat food to survive and so therefore when you think about it we're going to consume what's placed in front of us when it really comes down to it Mm -hmm. like we think we have all of this freedom of choice of like I can just like go to whatever grocery store I want buy whatever food I want and yes you do but it's also kind of it's almost like a little bit of an illusion Mm -hmm. like you only have that choice because somebody is giving that to you giving you that choice yeah exactly and so um I just wanted to kind of point that out because I feel like what we what we need to remember is that there are other things that are out of our control that determine what types of food we have access to Mm -hmm. and you really kind of like need to know the details of the system in order to understand that you know let's say like the government wanted to like really f us they could and they they would yeah they could stop they could stop having farmers produce vegetables and fruits if they wanted to and that wouldn't be something that we'd have access to Mm -hmm. so just just a a thought to remember as i like go through this topic and we talk about this um is just that there's really a lot that's actually out of our control and so like kind of knowing what those things are can help you just be a little bit more educated and like aware so that you can also advocate for like better better food system practices yeah okay so how does our food system affect us from a health standpoint I'm going to kind of backtrack a little bit in history here and kind of like frame where all of these issues kind of came from but our ancestors and I think this is so interesting used to eat like 800 different species of plants like what a life yeah just like so many herbs and plants and vegetables and fruits and all of these things that like we now as a society don't even know exist because they've been um eradicated from agriculture just because of how much we have condensed our agricultural system and so we really don't eat that um diverse of a diet anymore like Mm -hmm. even Liv and I who like we try to eat like different types of vegetables we've never seen before and it's still like nothing compared to what our ancestors used to eat like 800 different species that's insane I can't even like name I couldn't think I could even name a hundred different species of yeah vegetables and fruits that's so interesting because something that like um I've heard when you're really trying to like diversify your diet and eat a more nutrient-dense diet they say try to eat 30 different fruits and vegetables a week and people are like 30 that's insane no our ancestors are eating 800 so 30 is nothing queen yeah yeah it's just so so crazy to think how undiversified that's probably not even the word but we have become as as a society and so another thing that i want to note about that is that our ancestors also had very little access to sugar unless Mm -hmm. it wasn't from a natural source like honey for example Mm -hmm. and even like honey they had to do a lot of freaking work to get the honey like battle whole ass beehives Mm -hmm. to (laughs) to get um to get a good source of honey so just thinking about that too like the forms of sugars and sweeteners that we now have access to because of things like food processing and the Mm. way in which we can like turn literal Mm. corn into a sweetened syrup is Mm -hmm. just like mind-blowing to me that we've gone from harvesting honey straight from the beehive all the way to that yeah so to kind of like explain how that affects us from a health standpoint that means that we now pretty much have access to unlimited hundreds of sugar-based ingredients Mm -hmm. processed foods 
And our bodies really aren't meant to metabolize these things. And so what we're seeing is a rise in chronic illness because our bodies biologically cannot keep up with our poor diets. Yes, I think, well, we said on our first episode of the season that a big thing that we are going to talk about is chronic illness. And I think that that is at like the root of why so many people are getting into health and wellness and caring about this because it is scary, sad, and shocking how many people, you can probably count so many people that you know that have diabetes, autoimmune disease, who have cancer. Um, and we've kind of like normalized it. Like, oh, diabetes ran in my family. Oh, every, everybody gets cancer when they're older. No, it is our food system and it is um, the things that are put in front of us and our lifestyle. Um, if we went back to like the way our ancestors lived, not that we ever could literally get to that. Um, and there still could be some type of chronic illness, something happening. Um, chronic illness would be like so lessened um, because our food and our food system has such a big impact in our health and now we have access to like the craziest most modified sugary things that our brains are like oh hell yeah like that feels good having all that sugar and chemicals and our bodies like she said biologically cannot keep up and so i want to like stop making like chronic illness a normal thing like it's not normal it's okay that you are having that because our food system and our government and everything else isn't helping you get out of that but it's not normal and like it's normal to have a full family lineage that's healthy right like that's something that we want to make normal it should be normal and the goal for people in your family and your community to be healthy and not suffering from chronic illness right yeah absolutely yeah um and so i want to kind of explain how we got to this point like to the point where so many people six in ten people it's estimated have chronic illness and i'm sure it's probably more than that Mm -hmm. because i feel like as we just talk to people like our friends people who listen to this podcast it like you said it's just so common that people are like really suffering like Mm -hmm. date on a day-to-day basis just like generally do not feel good Mm -hmm. and you don't have to have some like crazy diagnosis to have have chronic illness Mm -hmm. like if you are waking up every single day and not feeling your best and you're feeling even if it's just like low-grade illness like Mm -hmm. that that's That's chronic that's chronic because you're experiencing Mm -hmm. it every day so um yeah like Liv said it is very normalized and things did not did not used to be this way and I really do believe and I know Liv agrees with this that um highly processed just refined foods that have become part of the standard American diet are like a huge driver of that Mm -hmm. so the kind of the history of like how that even came to be it really actually all started with really good intentions because it was I think after World War Mm One that's when food processing like kind of became a thing because what people were doing they were trying to process food and can it and put it in like jars and like like very basic Mm -hmm. processing things like you would make for example like if you harvested cucumbers from your garden and yeah. want to make pickles like you can them whatever very basic things to preserve food and it was like a very natural way of preserving food but it was mm-hmm. it, it was to stock up on food one for people who were going to war and then also because the war was so traumatizing for people that they were like we need to make sure we always have a good food supply so yeah. that's kind of where food processing started all with good intentions like i said and while those technologies like are great and super helpful like yes it's cool to be able to have food that can like last a long time on the shelf but it all just kind of escalated into something that where the technology was just evolving faster than like I said our bodies could keep up with and so 
I just wanted to kind of mention that like I know that like processed foods get this like really bad rep and like it's not that's not exactly where people intended for it to go so um but anyways because all of that has gotten to this point like I said now we have six in ten people estimated who have chronic disease Mm -hmm. a few other statistics about one third of all medicare expenses are for diabetes alone and then to explain kind of how the broken food system impacts like other aspects of our lives outside of just our health one third of our entire federal budget goes to, goes towards medicare so goes just to something that they are perpetuating yeah exactly so that's an economic threat first of all and then another thing that i thought was really interesting is that 70 percent of our military recruits are unfit to join and then they get rejected 70 percent of people who Wait, go i read that in a book or maybe that was mark hyman's book yeah or something this is from food fix okay, yeah. yeah i was gonna say i read that in a book yeah so um some of these statistics i am getting from this book that both Liv and I have read. It's called Food Fix by Dr. Mark Hyman. And he kind of explains like why the food system is so broken and just a couple of areas where it is broken. But that was a statistic from his book that 70% of military recruits are unfit to join the military. And so they get rejected, which is a national security threat. So now we've got, you know, a health threat, an economic threat, a national security threat. And then America's also experiencing huge academic achievement gaps in young children. Mm-hmm because they are not healthy enough to learn properly and process information and so a lot we're seeing a lot of our children be behind on like academic Mm -hmm. marks that they should be hitting at a certain age yeah yeah and we talk a lot about how the food you put into your body affects your brain affects your ability to do things and there's so many ties between different chemicals and processed foods and adhd Um, And something, because my mom and my sister are both um, like first grade teachers, and something we talk about when they say like, oh, this kid was really acting up or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, are they eating the school lunches? Like, what are they eating for lunch? Because the school lunches, when you were having, like, do you have a school lunch that you remember distinctly? I remember like teriyaki nuggets, rice, and I don't even know what else was served with it. I remember that pizza that Mm -hmm. everyone recognizes as school lunch pizza. It's like flat, (laughs) rectangular shaped. Mm -hmm. The cheese is like rubber and smushed onto the pizza and like the side i'm pretty sure was corn yeah so if you were (laughs) having that for lunch at school and who knows you probably had frosty flakes for breakfast yeah how do you expect kids to one have energy two be friendly be in a good mood and three learn literally anything when their brain is getting inundated with chemicals and like just a bunch of awful things and we've talked about so many times that school lunches and the school food system is also something that we could do a whole podcast episode on but no wonder people were having like more learning disabilities more people not being able to pay attention to things like it makes sense once you learn about the food system and what's in your food yeah yeah so that i kind of wanted to give as an example of like a more of like a social threat so that's like a threat to like literally people being able to interact in society with one another mm-hmm. Um, how the way that our kids grow up and the way that they're able to think and learn and make decisions and go on to get higher education and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. that is what I would consider to be like a social threat of the broken food system Um, and there's obviously the environmental threat which is something that we've talked about so many times but this is a statistic that like scares the living shit out of me every time I hear it but we kill approximately one acre of soil every single minute 
Yikes. One acre. I thought you were going to say like one day, no, one week. One acre of soil every minute because our agricultural practices are so toxic. That's terrifying because again, we need food to survive and you need soil to grow food. So what do we exactly expect to happen here? People are surprised when it's like, oh, food shortages, this, this, and this. Well, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to become start becoming more common if we don't do something about it. So mm-hmm. that's a whole other one. Um, and then... The last one is like a political threat, which is something that I find really, really interesting that really just emphasizes how important food is and how, like I said, how much of a hold our food system has on living a healthy, happy life. And what I mean by a political threat is that people in other countries, so, you know, here in America, we are lucky enough that we aren't experiencing like extreme extreme hunger like some other countries are yet there are tons of people here in the Mm -hmm. in this country who are going hungry but um we are we're a developed nation so we're lucky in that sense but in other countries people literally cannot get access to food right now because of turmoil that their government is under or for example too in other countries the climate is so hot and so bad that their agricultural systems are failing and they're literally not able to grow food which is that's literally what creates climate refugees people who flee their country Uh because it is so hot there that they now have no access to food and obviously like i said and we all know this you need food to survive Uh so it just creates like a cascade of just chaos like Uh all of these issues that unfold from something that is so basic a basic human right a basic human need a system that is broken Uh, based off something that we need to survive is just you can see how it could literally take down an entire an entire nation an entire society yeah so all of that being said i really truly believe that the broken food system is the root cause of so many global issues so as far as like health goes we another thing that Liv and I always talk about is that we always talk as a as a country as a society about improving health care and all these medical advancements. But what if we just addressed the root cause of so many diseases by simply fixing our food system? And I say simply because it's a simple, like straightforward answer, but I know it's like more of a complex like solution. It's more simple than developing all these medicines and devices and things to help people with chronic illness. Like fix it before it even gets to that. Right, right, right. Yeah. And it's kind of like what we talk about as far as like root cause approaches. Mm -hmm. Like it's all of these different things that we're just slapping band-aid on better health care more technology technological advancements in the medical field those are all in my opinion just band-aids for a deeper root cause which is our broken food system and yes all those things can actually help people and mm-hmm. and are helping people but yeah only necessary because our food system is broken yeah exactly um so yeah, I, I think that this is one of the things I read in Mark Hyman's book is that instead of demanding Medicare for all people or free affordable health care for all people, why aren't we demanding clean and nutritious food for all people? Those types of things are like, I think, where we should be shifting our focus around this issue and start thinking about food and using truly using food as medicine. And once we have that kind of mindset shift, I feel like so many other global issues will kind of follow after and start yeah. being fixed. And it's sad because people really, until you like learn more about food, don't realize how powerful it is um, and don't realize like how it does have a medicinal effect if you treat it like medicine. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I really think we also need to like treat this chronic illness um, situation as as a pandemic disease, just like we did with COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, if you had however many people have died from COVID dying of chronic illness, which you do probably more, more, why aren't we treating it like a pandemic? That's just like, I don't know. It's like a no brainer, but clearly it's like it's right right yes 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 (laughs) so okay not to get all you know like serious and make everything sound really scary and complex and like we're screwed as a society because i hate leaving people with that kind of like feeling but the good news here is that fixing the food system can fix so many other issues as Mm -hmm. well and like i said if we just kind of turn our focus to to that and like make that something that you actually advocate for just like you would advocate for any other issue any other issue that you're really passionate about whether it's black lives matter or women's rights or whatever it is treat our broken food system as an issue that you are like equally passionate about as like a a political issue because it is Mm -hmm. and it is something that we all it it affects all of us so you know it's something that we like really need to really need to get behind okay so before we get into talking about like some issues that need to be addressed and some things that specific things that need to be fixed and kind of like what you can be doing about it i want to talk about the topic of food system as an invisible form of oppression because i think that this is one of the things that like gets me really fired up and makes me want to like advocate for for these issues and a good example that i have of what i mean by the food system as a form of oppression is the recent um grocery store shooting in buffalo new york mm-hmm. and i think that a lot of people kind of missed the the main like big picture of that tragedy which yes gun violence was obviously a huge part of it and something that we need to keep talking about but um the other part of that is the fact that there even that a grocery store even existed where somebody could go intentionally to prey on a group of people Mm -hmm. the fact that there are like certain grocery stores in certain neighborhoods that people know to be the quote-unquote black neighborhood Mm -hmm. or the poor neighborhood or whatever it might be that there is a place where people are going to get food that they need to survive Mm -hmm. and they are able to be preyed upon in that way just because of the grocery store that they shop at. Mm -hmm. I think that's a perfect example of how our food system gives people, some people access to healthy food and other people no access to healthy food. Mm -hmm. And that's just like a, a big awakening that I had when I saw that was just that like, how how it was like clear as day to me like wow there really are there really are neighborhoods where some people like that's the only grocery store they can go to Mm -hmm. and because it's known as the poor black neighborhood grocery store that's where a shooting happened it's just like very sad and scary um so with where i'm kind of going with that is that i also think sometimes as a society we place a lot of blame on individuals for not eating healthy and not caring about what goes into their body but honestly how can you really care about something when one you haven't been educated about it and two you're stuck in a system that wants you to be sick and sometimes the reason why people are eating food that's terrible for them is because of advertising Mm -hmm. is because of policies that are made by the food industry lobbyists who literally pay to have access to that healthy food and then control which consumers get access Mm -hmm. to it so it's easy to say you know just eat more vegetables or whatever but okay what if you don't have access to any yeah 
That is a very real issue. Yeah. So again, there are so many things about our food system that are controlled by not the consumers, by mm-hmm. not like us, who the people who are actually impacted by these decisions. It's controlled by other people who really don't give a frick about our health or anything. Or their own health. No, probably not. <laughs> okay, so some issues, some some kind of like pillars and issues that need to be addressed, I think, in my opinion, with the food system that I think can kind of get us in, in the right direction and start seeing a better future for, for ourselves. Number one, the way in which we teach people to be healthy. I think that for a long time, the message has been calories in versus calories uh-huh. out, and that's still very much the norm but i think this was an example from the podcast episode i listened to a big gulp soda which is like the 7-eleven like big gulp drinks i think it's like 50 ounces of soda that would equal 20 cups of broccoli calorie wise but obviously there are very different nutrients between 20 cups of broccoli and one big gulp soda so it just goes to show that's a really good example of the fact that calories really don't tell you much about how good or bad a food is for you. Um, It's really much more about nutrient density. So I think that we really need to go back to like the basics of health and wellness. And I don't know if Liv, maybe you can touch on kind of like, what are some of like the basic things that we need to go back to in, in terms of like educating people about what it actually means to be healthy? Because obviously that perspective of calories in versus calories out is not, not, really that important and I think that that's something that's keeping people in this cycle of um thinking that they're doing good for their bodies when they're like really not yeah I even hear that I hear that so much now that I'm thinking about it I've kind of been noticing it lately like when I've been hanging out with people they're like oh it's low calorie yeah I'm like but what does that really mean I think what I have what we both substituted like calories with is nutrient density so I try to eat a lot of nutrient dense things rather than a low amount of calories and nutrient dense things are typically things in their whole food form whether that's a vegetable a meat um a fruit those type of things like eating things that are in their rawest form rather than eating very processed things because yes at some point calories obviously have like a a spot in the game of your health um a reasonable amount of calories is what you should strive for but i don't count my calories it's more about getting so much nutrient density because let's say that you were eating i'm just going to throw a number out there 3000 calories which is probably over what some people eat um of really nutrient dense foods versus um like 1000 calories eating a little amount of calories of soda and crackers and low calorie low calorie i don't even know low calorie little frozen meals like yes technically in the calorie world you would be being healthier but that is going to catch up to your body and nutrient density matters so much more because nutrient dense things have minerals and vitamins and nutrients in them that your body actually needs and prioritizes over calories. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's one, one thing that we can be doing better as a whole and with our food system is just educating people on like what's actually important to be looking for or like when you're kind of like structuring your diet, like what actually matters Mm. and what, what's important to be looking for like on your ingredient labels and things like that and low calorie labels are absolutely not Mm-mm. not what you should be what you it should is be looking a marketing at. scam yeah number two of issues that need to be addressed is that we really don't have to do 
diddly squat anymore to find food we've gone from hunters and gatherers to being able to order groceries on an app and get them delivered right to our doorstep so one thing i want to say here is like if you're looking to like kind of make a make an active change in how you connect with your food is to make a point to be a little bit more active when it comes to your food like i and i'm very guilty of this because i do curbside pickup like all the time for the convenience of it but challenge yourself to actually if you are someone who does like curbside pickup or delivery or whatever and like have gotten fallen into the pattern of doing that actually go to the grocery store and like pick out your produce Mm -hmm. or maybe go to a grocery store you've never been to before and just like see expose yourself to the different types of food access around you like go to a different grocery store that like you probably would never walk into and just Mm -hmm. be like i just want to see what's here what do people have access to in their immediate circle the people that live in this neighborhood and just challenge yourself to get get a little bit more perspective on kind of um what food you have access to compared to other people and that will also um help you to get like a little bit more active about accessing your food versus just like ordering it and never having to actually like see mm-hmm. where it comes from and if you are somebody like we both are who has the luxury of shopping at somewhere like whole foods when you go to a grocery store in a place that doesn't really have access like it is shocking mm-hmm. to see like what they provide them with versus what that we have access to so i think that is a very good activity if you are somebody who has access to like every grocery store like in your backyard yeah yeah and this is something that i um talked about on my tiktok the other day about the fact that some people literally live like i don't know how many whole foods do you think we have near us that we could drive to within like 10 minutes like four like three or four yeah, yeah. and there's also like uh sprouts and like all other Mm -hmm. kinds of different grocery stores like that are known as more like healthy holistic grocery stores but there are people there are actually people who live in cities where like the only grocery store within like a 20 minute drive of them is like a dollar tree yeah which i don't even consider to be a grocery store no but if you go to towns like that where that is the only grocery store they actually have food there Mm -hmm. and is it fresh produce no it's like box mac and cheese and it feels so isolating yeah it feels so isolating when you go to places like that yeah yeah and that that is that is some people's reality and that's kind of what i'm talking about of like those are the kinds of things that like we really um we just like we forget about because we don't have to be exposed to them on a daily basis but those are things that are keeping people in the cycle of chronic illness Mm -hmm. and um yeah, those are things that we need to be talking about. Number three is that our farming systems need to change. And you've probably heard me talk about this before. This is a huge, huge passion of mine. But something that I find really interesting is that over half, like 59% of our farmland is used to grow commodity crops. So like corn, wheat, and soy. Over half of our farmland is used just for corn, wheat, and soy. And only 2% of it is used to grow fruits and vegetables. So... Our current growing systems don't even feasibly allow every single American to follow the dietary guidelines even if they wanted to. We don't even produce enough fruits and vegetables for everybody to be getting the recommended daily amount that they're supposed to be getting. Which, by the way, that recommended daily amount is not enough anyways. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the corn, wheat, and the soy is what is making all these big corporations money. Yeah, well, yeah, because I think what a lot of people also don't realize is that corn, wheat, and soy are commodities because they are crops that can be turned into so many other ingredients. Everything. High fructose corn syrup, any soy-based ingredient, which soy is like a huge thing right now too with people like using soy alternatives um, for people who like don't want to consume dairy. It's just like those three crops, the fact that 59% of our farmland is dedicated to growing just three things. When our ancestors, like I said, used to eat 800 different species and now our diets are like mostly made up of literally three products. Mm -hmm. So that is a big, big one. And one thing that you can do to kind of advocate for better farming systems is to obviously vote with your dollar and pay attention to the meat that you're eating, the dairy that you're consuming, the fruits and vegetables that you're buying, where are they coming from, what kind of farm were they grown on, Um, just being more aware about that and advocating for better practices. So regenerative agriculture, organic farming, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. all those things that we are super passionate about. And then four, we really need food education at a young age so that the cycle can truly be broken because, you know, we're adults, there are majority of the people in this world are older than we are and have already formed like kind of their core beliefs and like opinions about certain things and so I really think that our children are obviously the most vulnerable population Uh and the ones that we really need to be reaching in order for this cycle to like be broken and not keep repeating itself so that's one of the reasons why I'm really passionate about like youth food education Mm -hmm. and making sure that kids are learning the right things about what's healthy for them, where their food comes from, why it's important to know where your food comes from, how to garden and grow your own food, and all of those things that really will help them grow up to be well-informed um, consumers when they're yeah. able to finally buy things. And it's hard right now because we're trying to like backtrack so much and so teach much. everybody who's 60, 70, 30 years old Honestly, about all this. just forget about it. Because <laughs> forget about them. No offense if you're listening to this. But we need to start educating the kids who are going to, yeah. who are going to take over the world. Yeah, that was a total point. joke. But yes, <laughs> yes. Yes, it really does start with our, with our kids. Um, and so one thing I wanted to say about with, as far as like... Um, youth education is one thing that I try to kind of get involved with is a lot of like the legislation surrounding school lunch programs which Mm. we just talked about how terrible school lunch programs are if you went to a public school you know how terrible they are because you probably had to eat them as well um but that is one thing that I have been really into lately is like looking into the legislation around that and there's a lot of things happening right now because I think it's like every five to six years congress meets and they talk about what's called childhood nutrition reauthorization and it's basically where they every five to six years like reevaluate the childhood nutrition programs that includes like school lunches um people who are on food stamps that kind of thing and um they are supposed to every time they meet make changes to those guidelines so that they can be better based on like new science that we've learned and all those kinds of things but people were really disappointed this year because there weren't a whole lot of changes made and they actually um, just did a lot of things that like really are going to hurt our children that are in public school systems right now who really depend on school lunch programs for like their main source of food because there are a lot of kids who like that's the only place where Mm -hmm. they eat and so if they're getting shitty food at school and they're not getting any other food elsewhere yeah you know that's really detrimental to their health so 
and that's one thing that if you're if you're passionate about kind of like children youth education and like want to get a little bit more involved in that aspect there's a lot of like petitions that you can be signing and just like recent um or like upcoming changes to legislation that are about to be happening and you can reach out to me if you want to kind of be a little bit more involved in that aspect okay so to sum up this episode and give you like three kind of action items of things that you can do to start supporting a better food system one is to support the local food movement by voting with your dollar and also finding organizations who are improving access to food and trying to work with them there are a ton of organizations in austin who work to make sure that people in our city have access to clean nutritious food again Mm -hmm. you can reach out to me if you are wanting to maybe get involved with some of them volunteer with some of them there's lots of like local little gardens that allow people to anybody to come for free and like pick vegetables or learn about gardening Mm -hmm. there's just like so many resources out there that if you like actually go look them up you'll find there's a lot more than you probably think or it's even as simple as like going to your local food bank and like donating some extra food that like Mm -hmm. you have on hand that you're not going to use or volunteering there for a day maybe and just like interacting with the people there and like again getting a different perspective on the fact that like there are people who their only access to food is going to the food bank and getting what's available so um I think getting involved in that way and then also supporting the local food movement by voting with your dollar, meaning like shopping at your local farmer's market, buying and supporting local brands and things like that can really like put your money towards the immediate community that you live in, which will then kind of trickle into into other aspects of your immediate community with food access and all that stuff. Number two is to just get more connected to your food. And I have a TikTok series on this that I just recently did, but some things that you can do in that aspect are to try growing your own. I know that's kind of like a a tall order for people who have never gardened before, but starting with herbs is a great place to start. There are books that you can read about these topics, Um, reading your food labels and just getting more familiar with the terms on them. What did they mean? Where, Where was my food even like? Mm-hmm. made how far did it travel to have to get to me all these are kinds of like questions that you can be asking that help that can help you get a little bit more connected to your food and just be a little bit more aware about the food system in general and then three is to have conversations with people about this issue just like any other social justice issue mm-hmm. we have conversations with our friends all the time about things that are happening in our country all different kinds of issues like i said whether it's women's rights and the current like abortion things that are going on whatever it may be that you're really passionate about you can also treat this as a social justice issue because it really is and start having conversations with people around you um and just be be a voice educate educate those around you your family your friends whoever it may be yep those are three easy easy action items for everybody to go do yeah okay so i know that was a lot of information i know that it was also kind of all over the place so um hopefully that was digestible and (laughs) understandable but i obviously am very passionate about this issue i know a lot about this issue i know a lot about um the policies surrounding the food system and other ways that you can get involved so if this piques your interest feel free to reach out to me and i will give you lots more resources thank you guys for listening and stay tuned for our next episode